What is up and welcome to this week's edition of the Square Sports Podcast. We're coming at you with episode four. We took a one-week hiatus because there wasn't enough news in sports, but we're going to come at you with about 40 minutes to an hour of uh, entertaining topics today, and I'm joined by my co-host, The Sandman. How's it going, everyone? Um, so today we're going to be starting off with a little talk about the NFL schedule that came out a couple of days ago. Um, and some things that stood out to me is the AFC East has got it pretty tough, which uh, makes sense because they have a lot of the same games being in the same division. But uh, the Patriots do have the hardest schedule, so it'll be pretty interesting to see what happens there. I think they're probably the biggest wild card in the NFL in terms of no one knows how good they'll be. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the Patriots turn out. Yeah. I mean, they could go – they could go – I think most people could see them going 10 and six. Like it's not likely, but I think that's about their ceiling. But I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they won six games even. And yeah. there's with been that some talk about tanking, but I don't think Belichick would do that. Yeah. I've been, uh, I've been thinking both ways on that. I mean, I don't think Belichick really has it in him to just tank a season away, but at the same time, he is one of the smartest coaches in the league and, he has to realize that he's not going to win a Super Bowl this year. But his odds of winning a Super Bowl in the next five, ten years go up drastically if they get a top Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields next year. So, I mean, even if they tank, I don't, they're not going to be the worst team in the league, I wouldn't think. But I guess yeah, you never know. Really tank it to be the worst team. And get in the Tanner Morgan in like the second round. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, one thing that I read was. Basically, like, if the season can't start right away, they'll take, like, the games they missed and just add a lot to the edge instead of just picking up at week one. So, like, if, yeah, they, if, if they start in week eight, then uh, week seven will be the last week of the season. Okay. Yeah, I think that'd be a, a good idea just because we don't really know what's going on. And, I mean, the league doesn't even know what's going on exactly with whether their games are going to be able to go on, whether they're going to have full capacity, 50% capacity, however that works. So I think just them building in a contingency plan is smart and it's going to serve serve them well in the long run if something goes wrong. Because everyone wants everyone wants a season and people are going to have their eyes glued if there's nothing else to do so. So Yeah, exactly. I so I think I think, I think this was probably a positive thing. They didn't I don't know, it seemed like they were pretty confident. Like there was no t- I don't yeah, know. Yeah, they seemed they seemed pretty like Okay, we're going to go Optimistic. ahead. Did you see uh, how Schefter tweeted and said something about the schedule reveals giving hope and then everyone got pissed at him? Oh, yeah, because well, they, they had like that like nine, like three-hour show about the schedule. Yeah, exactly. All I mean, the keyboard warriors got pissed at him. I mean, it is like a lot of time, but like just well, don't it is, but like, you don't want to. Yeah, why do people care if they're, they're just not going to watch it? What else are they going to have but... on it right now? Exactly. And I mean... <sighs> I don't know. A lot of people have been paying attention to the last dance, but I'm not, I'm not too into that. I'm, I'm trying to boycott Jordan. Mm. I've been watching Is, it. Have you uh, taken a look into any of the uh, win totals for like the Patriots or those AFC East teams? Like where do you think the top end of the AFC East is going to end up being? Um, well, I, 
I don't know. I think the AFC East could be like this year's NFC East in that like the winner maybe goes like nine and seven at, at max. Because I mean, I think they're all. I mean, the Dolphins will be better. The Bills, I don't think. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not all in on the Bills to say the least. Neither am I. Yeah. Who am I forgetting? Oh yeah, the Jets. I don't know. I just see all those te- all the four teams being like anywhere from like four and twelve at the bottom to like maybe ten and six if you're lucky. Yeah, I mean, I think the Bills last year got a little lucky, caught a couple of breaks, and they ended up going ten and six. And I just don't see them replicating that. And I think most people would agree that Josh Allen isn't really the type of quarterback that's going to put a team on his back and carry him. A lot of people. S- would say maybe last year. Yeah. Well, Lamar Jackson's a running back, but I think the real running back in the AFC is Josh Allen at quarterback. He's just yeah, so think, inaccurate. I think that division will be interesting. Um, one th- I saw the Patriots are now at nine. For their win yeah, total. they were nine and a half. Yeah, at least I don't know lately, but before the draft they were. Um they, yeah, their schedule, they got Chiefs, Seahawks, Texans, and Rams on the road. Um, obviously, the Texans won't be as good as they were, but um, those are still four pretty tough games. And then 49ers and Ravens at home. So they're really playing the yeah, I mean, I they know, five out of the best six teams in the NFL. I think they have to win five division games if they want to be in the playoff picture. Yeah, and I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, I think that division is going to have quite a bit of parity. I, I mean, I saw the Dolphins win total at like six. And to be honest, I, do, I don't see that. I see them winning five games a lot more than I see them winning, winning seven games. Oh, but yeah, I do yeah. think the Dolphins are going to be com- like somewhat competitive in that division. And I think I'm a little higher on the Jets. So I think that division is going to be like a four or five win team, two seven win teams, and an eight or nine win team. I, yeah. I don't think. There's going to be – I would be extremely surprised if there was an 11-win team out of that division. Yeah, the Jets are at six and a half, which – I am yeah, I mean, I think that's a pretty good number. Yeah, I, don't, I, I would I agree don't with that. directly lean either way. I'd probably lean under, but that's just me. Dolphins yeah. are at six with juice on the over. Then we got – Yeah, that's how – like, do you think that Tua is going to be able to come in and contribute right away in that division? I mean, I think if he's starting week one at New England, I, I feel like Belichick's going to eat him up. Yeah, I think I think he'll probably. Well, if it's Patrick, I don't know. I mean, it obviously, and if even if there's if there's no preseason or training camp, I don't think he starts week one. Yeah, that's true. I don't know how you could start him week one. Yeah, so I think it depends on what goes on here in the next couple months. But yeah, I saw New England open something of like. Seven, and I was I was pretty surprised by that line. I think if that? I think if New England stayed put at minus seven week one, I would probably take the Dolphins if Fitzpatrick was starting. Yeah, but I, I the line moved a little bit. I think it's about six now. But if if Fitzpatrick was starting, I would have taken that seven. But that's just the type of thing that you don't probably want your money tied up for that long if you don't even know who the starting quarterbacks are going to be. Yeah, did you see the? Tom Brady's streak of being a home favorite in the regular season is going to be coming to an end. Yeah, yeah, that'll be for the first time in like fifty-seven see. games or something. Yeah, that's crazy. 
Take the last one. The, the thing is, um, with how bad New Orleans always is opening the season, I think. Oh yeah. I think there's something like one in twelve. Yeah, I did see that right against, their, the early, or against the spread in their last twelve uh, week one and two games. So I don't know if Tampa's the play there, but like we were, like you just said, if there's limited training camp, that's not going to just affect the rookies. That's going to affect. Yeah. Brady's rapport with his receivers. Yeah. Another uh, another bet that I really liked is uh, the Broncos over seven and a half. Slash yeah, I love the Broncos. Additionally, they were like plus 140 to make the playoffs, but to finish second in the division, they were plus 260, which I thought had some mm-hmm. value because I don't think they're better than the Chiefs. Um, yeah, I think, and I, I think they're if they're going to make the playoffs, they're going to have to get second in the division. Um, so I also like that at plus two sixty, um, and then the seven and a half wins was just about even money. Um, yeah, and the playoffs thing is interesting too because there's going to be an extra playoff team in each conference now. So oh yeah, that's true. But I mean, I still don't see three teams from that division making it. No, no, neither do you know I. What I mean. Um, yeah, I think the Chargers are going to be a bit underwhelming. Yeah. Um, again, especially if – I think Tyrod probably starts the first half, but even still, like, he's not anything crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I then, think – I like the Broncos a lot. I think they're going to – I think with the weapons they're surrounding Drew Locke with, Elway knew what he was doing, and he's going to be able to tell pretty Yeah, I mean, they got Judy Locke and – Judy, who else? I got Hamler, yeah, and then their backfield is probably the deepest in football. Freeman, Lindsey, and Gordon, and then Corlin Sutton is like my favorite receiver right now. He's really good. Yeah, I think he'll be a top five receiver this year. Um, and then they got Noah Fant, who's up and coming. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Their division, their division is, I'd say it's a it's average to maybe a bit above average, but. I think yeah, I mean, obviously like the Chiefs are solid. Yeah, obviously Chiefs are going to be taking over that division, and I would actually like to talk about one of my bets that I like right now. If we're talking win totals, um, I agree. I would probably lean over with the Broncos, and that kind of correlates with my bet, which is the Raiders under seven and a half wins. I think that uh, the Raiders. I just don't see their whole squad coming together this season and overperforming. And I think if they were to win eight games, I think that'd be a big win for them. They're moving to the new stadium. I think there's going to be a lot of distractions in that regard. All the, all the guys moving to Vegas. And I mean, I guess if Vegas isn't open, that'll definitely help them a lot with not having all that craziness surrounding the team and the circus of playing games in a new city. But the Raiders also have the toughest schedule in terms of travel in the league. They play, five uh new or five one o'clock eastern time start games and that's really tough for the west coast teams to get accustomed to and i suppose now they they'll be in the mountain time but moving two hours eastward and then playing those games basically at 11 for what their body clocks will be that's usually a really tough tough thing for teams to battle with throughout the season and the fact that most of their road games are going to be that way is pretty interesting that the NFL would schedule them like that. Yeah. So I think that's a major disadvantage for them. I agree on that under. Um, and then, I don't know, some other stuff with the Broncos is seven of their losses last year were one possession. That's just a young team. Um, they're getting more experience. 
they'll be better in those close games. And then, obviously, they have that crazy home field advantage every year, which is probably good for, what, four or five wins minimum. Yeah, yeah. I would think so. And I don't know. I just think if they've got enough weapons on offense, their defense is solid. They lost Chris Harris, but they've got uh, A.J. Bouye, Jarrell Casey this summer. Yeah, exactly. I think if Locks like average, they got at least nine wins, eight and eight, nine and seven, maybe ten and six if you is decent. Um, but I don't know. I see their floor at seven. Yeah, because I just think I mean, they that's, have a lot of talent around them. I would agree with you on that. And as you were saying, with the seven of their losses being one possession games, if you if you watched them down the stretch last year, they were such a better team at the end, like last four weeks of the season, especially when Drew Locke started playing. Like he, he wasn't terrific by any means, but he made the team serviceable and he made the team actually interesting to watch. They became more of a storyline. And I think that coming into this year, that if Drew Locke has improved even a little bit, that like you said, they're going to be probably a nine-win team. I mean, it's definitely a good situation for a young quarterback to be in with all that talent around him. Yeah, for sure. Um and then the other kind of pretty big announcement in sports the last week was the Bundesliga is going to be back in six days from now uh, on May 16th, um, which is, if for those of you that don't know, the German Soccer League. So uh, one of the, those top leagues in Europe. Um, so that'll be definitely something to keep us entertained um, for probably the next month or two that we don't have any sports in America. Yeah, I think that'll be great that there's a league taking initiative and starting their games back up. And I know I saw people on Twitter talking about Korean baseball and yeah, I mean, this stuff is like that. And I mean, there's a UFC event recently, which was probably good for a lot of people who like that type of thing. But this is good. Get the Bundesliga back. It, it, I think it's good for them because it's a type of league where there's always eyes on Bayern and Dortmund. But now I think with this being the only thing that's on, I assume it'll be broadcast in the United States and oh, yeah. we'll get a lot more eyes on teams like Schalke and those other type of things, teams like Dusseldorf, all those squads. Yeah, for sure. Um, currently, Bayern has a four-point lead on second-place Dortmund and five-point lead on third-place uh, Red Bull Leipzig. So it's it's not as uh, – usually Bayern would probably pretty much have the league wrapped up by now, at least the last three, four years. But uh, there is – a pretty big race coming down the stretch and uh Bayern is going to Dortmund on the 25th of May so that'll be definitely if you're gonna yeah, watch that game, game um that's the one to watch for sure um yeah, and then I I do actually have one bet that I am going to be making for the first week I know it's obviously hard to cap with them having two months off uh, but they all have they have been training uh, with social distancing for pretty much the whole duration of the delay. Um, and the one, the play I like is Schalke Dortmund to draw at plus 345. Um, Schalke were riddled with injuries before the break, and they've just been able to get healthy um, through these couple months. Meanwhile, Sch- Dortmund have lost Axel Witzel and Emre Chan. Uh, they got hurt in training the last week. Uh, who are two, two of their main central midfielders, as well as Marco Rice is still out. Um, and additionally, Dortmund haven't beat Schalke at home since 2015, and they've only beaten them once since 2015 total in six matches. Um, so I don't know. I just see it being a close game. This is a rivalry game. 
Um, and I think the rust factor, just not having played in two months, probably benefits the less talented team. Um, just because it, I think it kind of reduces that gap. Um, yeah, I would agree 100%. Um, I think I would definitely consider Sandman you to be a better uh, soccer capper than me, but I think that definitely makes a lot of sense with, I think, from what I can see, the fact that the better team not going to have as much rapport with each other after not, be, after not playing for a period of time. I think that Chalka can control the game a little bit and. I think that draw would probably be the one of the more likely scenarios if both these teams don't have the same chemistry and the same ball skills coming into the first match. Yeah, and I think, I don't know, I just think plus 345 is just some pretty good value. So that'll be my, probably my only bet in week one, just because you want to see how it, how it comes back and how it goes. But uh, yeah. I definitely like that play. Yeah. Um, all right. So now uh, I think we have a, a special guest coming on. He uh, wants to introduce himself and talk a little bit about some esports action that he plays. Um, he's been uh, handing out picks to some of us for a little while, following certain Twitter cappers and doing things of that nature. So I think he has a little bit to tell you guys about esports. And uh, here he is, Mr. Uh, Jaws and Fives. What's up, guys? Can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. Sure. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's a it's a real pleasure to get on and talk about the something like this in a, a world today where uh, it might be one of the only things that we can bet. Absolutely, I've enjoyed uh, tailing some of your picks lately. So why don't you tell the people a little bit about what it is that you've been specializing in? Definitely. So uh, I've actually uh, been playing and betting on Counter Strike for about uh, five years here. Uh, it goes way back way back to the old days. I'm not a great player, but I definitely do understand the game um, to the uh, kind of professional level. Um, so recently I've been uh, kind of taking an interest in the uh, qualifiers for the major uh, road to Rio. It was supposed to happen actually in May, um, but because of the uh, coronavirus, obviously it was pushed back to November. Um, so actually we've been seeing a lot of, uh, top tier gameplay, uh, throughout the days, uh, it all is streamed on Twitch, um, where sometimes, uh, viewers pull in and there's over a hundred, hundred thousand plus watching the games. And I'm, I'm assuming also betting on them. So it is, a it is an esport that is, uh, one of the more popular ones, probably the second, uh, behind Dota or maybe third, if you're a League of Legends fan, but, um, it's definitely a fun thing to bet on. And, uh, kind of once you, uh, understand and get reins of it uh it can become a little bit addicting but uh <laughs> instead of talking about the road to rio i wanted to talk about the uh tournament coming up here uh starting may 19th uh the dreamhack masters um so normally tournaments of this kind of uh prestige are uh they are played in person on a land event and uh it takes place with north american teams um oceana teams european teams all over the place, but because of the current situations, uh, the tournament's been broken down to <clears throat> kind of four different regions. The Euro Europeans will play against each other, the Americans, um, and Asia and Oceania will also have their own pools. But I'm only going to be focusing on North America and uh, Europe. Uh, Europe has a prize pool of uh, 160,000, so you can, can assure you that these players will be uh, playing for. Uh, Playing for a Definitely pretty big, going for it all. yeah, a pretty big prize sum at the end. Uh, there's going to be a lot of incentive, not only with the money, but if you win this tournament, 
or just plays well in general, you get a lot of points towards qualifying for the major in November, which has a $2 million prize pool. Um, and then North America has $100,000 uh, up top at the uh, for the winner. So I just wanted to kind of give my two cents here on uh, the European and North America. Uh, there's some futures out there uh, that can be found yeah, on be found on Bovada. And when kind of looking at this tournament, um, so as for format and European or the European region, there's 16 teams and there's four groups. So each four teams will be playing a round robin between each other with a best of three formats. Um, the first place team in each group will advance to the upper bracket. And then the second and third place will advance to the lower bracket. Um, so obviously, um, when capping something like this, I was looking at groups and, you know, who has, who do I think has, you know, a significant advantage with their group to get placed in that upper bracket? Because if you finish out in the upper bracket finals versus whoever won the lower bracket, you have a game advantage in a best of five. So essentially, you just need to win two before the other person would win three. Um, so you'd have a significant advantage there. And then with North America, we have eight teams. Um, and they're split into two, uh, two groups of four and with the same top two teams in each group will move to the upper bracket and then the other second and third will move lower. So even in America, you can see the person winning the groups is even more uh, significant. <clears throat> so kind of when I was taking a look at the ads here, um, and I guess we'll start with uh, North America, um, and I'll give you guys maybe two or three picks from each region. Um, from North America, um, there's one thing that really just caught my eye, and it was taking Furia to win this at plus 600. Um, the favorite of the North American region is Team Liquid, who is another team that I also really like. But this Furia team, uh, I've been watching now for about a month here, and they just seem to get better every single week. Um, they've actually beaten Team Liquid. They beat them yesterday. And they beat them a week previous to that. So they've beaten Team Liquid in their last three matchups, like, extremely handily. And I, I just don't know when the odds, maker are gonna, odds makers are going to start giving this Furia team credit. And they still aren't. Um, are they still the uh, second favorite? Or is there someone else? No, they're uh, – Furia is actually in the bottom four. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So I, I was also extremely um, kind of surprised seeing this as well. Um, as for the groupings uh, for the American region, we have Team Liquid, um, Furia, MIBR, and Bad News Bears. And I know Furia can handle MIBR and Bad News Bears easily. So those should be, you know, theoretically speaking, those should be two wins. And seeing that they've beaten Liquid the last three times, um, you know, give it when the North American uh, group play starts up here in about uh, a week and a half-ish. I, I see no I don't, I don't see Liquid winning that game and that's also a game that I'll probably individually handicap and be taking Furia but um, I just think at plus 600 that's way too good to pass up you know they're not going to finish in the bottom half uh, in fourth place and be eliminated but I just see them having a really good shot at finishing first in their group and being in that upper bracket um, so that will be a standard one unit play for me and uh Granted, these are futures, so play them, play them as you would like, and hedge them as you would like. Um, I think this Fury at plus six hundred really just caught my eye, and it has like a a lot of really good hedging opportunities later on in the tournament. And uh, I think it has 
a lot of good opportunities just for straight up winning the tournament. And that's why I'll be playing that one for sure. I think that sounds like a really good play. Uh, (laughs) When you're talking about these squads and Furia in particular. Sure. When you're capping Furia, are you looking more at their the specific skill level of their players? Do you think that's underrated? Or do you think kind of their tactics on the maps are yeah. underrated? So I think it's a, a little bit of both. Um, there's definitely some guys on Furia, such as um, K Serato uh, or Arts, who are just – or they're guys that are just, I think, are playing well, and they're stepping up. And I think – odds makers are assuming that they're you know playing over their potential but I mean I believe that these guys are have just been they, they are this good you know um I saw we witnessed an art yesterday uh you know have two instrumental clutches to beat liquid and they just they seemed like uh it, it didn't seem like sometimes you can see that oh maybe there's some luck as in if you're holding an angle and then you peek away like a second after that person comes into that angle, that's like a timing luck. Um, but we were just seeing yesterday that these were all, these clutches were all strategically broken down. You could tell, you know, what he was thinking in the moment. And he just, he, he looks to be playing at a level that is unmatched right now for any type of North American player. And as for, you know, strategics and, you know, maps, um, these guys all play in the same room together versus, you know, guys like Team Liquid right now are kind of, dispersed around the United States. So these guys are all huddled in the same room with their computers. You know, they can all, um, you know, be next to each other, hype each other up when things go wrong, things go bad. And, you know, with all the map pools in the, in the circuit for the professional scene right now, I think Furia, um, Furia's, you know, tactics on all these maps right now are just, they're, they're above a lot of these teams. Uh, their fast play is just, is unmatched. I don't think anyone has an answer for it currently. Yeah, that's all. I mean, I <laughs> yeah, think you so, obviously know what you're talking about. You know, I think we got to, I think the viewers, uh, you know, the listeners, I think you guys should be taking a shot with that Fury at plus 600. Um, and, the, you know, the really only other team that I like to actually have a shot at winning this thing is then Team Liquid. I think Liquid and Fury are, you know, obviously, the, I think currently the number one and two teams uh, in North America. And the odds do reflect that as Liquid is the betting favorite at plus 225 to win this thing. Um, but you have other teams in the other half of the group, like Evil Geniuses, 100 Thieves, um, Gen G, and Cloud9. These are teams that um, I think two out of the three of these teams, or two out of the four of these teams, have never even t- beaten Liquid in a best of three series. So I just – I can't fathom taking a team like that um, to win a tournament when they're going to have to not only beat Liquid but also beat Furia, and I just don't see it happening. I think, you know, this winner is going to be either Liquid and Furia, and uh, I'll be placing wagers on both teams for about probably a unit apiece. Um, might add a little bit extra to Liquid, um, but Furia at plus 600 really caught my eye. Yeah, so right. That would be my favorite bet for North America. These teams then potentially meet meet in the championship again. Uh, Liquid and Furia could potentially, yeah. So I mean, obviously the since they're both in the same group, um, I only see I see one or the other um, advancing to the top yeah. bracket, and I would see the way that I would kind of cap things right now. I would see the other team making a run in the the lower bracket and potentially making it to the finals. So I see both these teams, you know, playing very well and at least one of them is going to be in that final, and I think you're going to have a really good hedge opportunity. 
if you'd like yeah, to, well, and if you'd like to ride it out and <laughs> sweat it out, then that's also <laughs> something that I don't mind. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like uh, the way you're capping it, it, it would be ideal if uh, we got a type of seeding situation where we could get the matchup in the championship almost as if we picked two teams to go to the final four or some of that type of deal. So, yeah, that's uh, a, a really good take on the – the tournament coming up. We've, I've been watching these odds a little bit. Um, Furia has dropped about, they were plus 650 about two days ago. So it seems as if the public may be catching on a little bit and uh, the odds makers are adjusting slightly. But So I would hop on here in the next couple of days, um, if you would. Furia does have a big matchup today um, in the road to Rio. Um, it's the finals versus Gen G. So if we see another good performance from them today, we might see um, the odds be reflected again and be adjusted slightly. Okay. Yeah, Make sure we get that, get that play in here. Yeah. As as we're um, done. And if you'd even like to just, you know, try to watch it today as, as well, I believe it's at three o'clock. Uh, you can watch those free your boys play if you guys have some times on your hands or if any of the viewers do as well. Okay. Absolutely. And then <laughs> yes. uh, I got one final question for you. Uh, Sure. What's your uh, what's your Twitter handle so that people can get at you for some esports plays in the future? Can, of course, yeah, I'll, I'll be tweeting out um, all my plays here. Um, I know I shared with you guys the uh, North American region. I will have a probably a couple um, of long shots and plays for the European region, but I'll tweet those out on my Twitter handle, which is at ja5s. So at j a h five and then s. Uh, John Fives, essentially. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much, John, for coming on and uh, coming giving on. us some esports capping. Yeah, of course. We really Thanks appreciate the input and uh, a new uh, a new way to get at some sports betting. Okay. Love it. Definitely. I mean, action right now. So thank you. Sometimes, you know, if, if to all my DGens out there, um, <laughs> we all need action. And I would say, uh, if you want to start learning something new, um, this is, you know, a perfect little bit of action to maybe hold you over. Uh, until some real sports come back. I know we're getting the Bundesliga soon, and I, I hope we're going to be getting some MLB or something else soon. Yeah, for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right. All right. Well, that was uh, Ja yeah. capping some esports, and uh, I think that's pretty interesting. First time either of us have really taken a dive into esports. I know I've bet some of his picks in the past, but haven't really thought about it too in depth much besides just telling someone who I know pays a lot of attention to the sport. Yeah, for sure. Me neither. I don't know a ton about it, but it's definitely interesting. And uh, here as we wrap up uh, school, you know, a lot of time on my hands. So something I'll definitely maybe dabble in for a bit, see if I, see if I can catch on. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the last thing that I wanted to talk about was the MLB. Um it seems as if the Arizona uh, league that they were going to give a go is not going to happen, which I kind of figured from the start was just a gimmick to try to give people some hope. Um, they were going to play all their games at the spring training facilities. Um, but I think everyone kind of knew it's not really logistically possible to play an entire season at the same fields. Um, yeah, just with, like, I mean, it seemed players. like the players. Yeah, yeah players were kind of not all all in on that. Even like managers and umpires, and no one wants to, no one wants to be away from their family for that long. And then, especially with the virus, like 
normally you could have like your family come down and stay with you, but you're kind of on your own for, you know, if it's a full season, it's nine months on your own in a hotel with your teammates. Definitely. I understand why they don't want to do that. Um, yeah. But just recently they announced a plan for the, an 80 game season with an extended postseason. Um, so there'd be seven playoff teams instead of uh, the current six or five, I should say. Um, and then the wild cards would be three games instead of one. Um, I think the MLB is one of those leagues that's going to be really affected by this virus going forward, not even necessarily this year. But if they were to lose out on, say, 80, 90 games, maybe even a full season, uh, I think with the, with the already the gap in the salaries, with the, you know, the Yankees and the Red Sox, um, and the Dodgers being able to pay so much more money to their players than teams like the Milwaukee Brewers and the Twins. Um, I think that loss of revenue for teams like the Tampa Bay Devil Rays and the Milwaukee Brewers is just going to impact them so much more than teams like the Yankees. And I think the the gap in talent and the gap in payroll is just going to be even bigger because small market teams are going to have to just continue to cut salary because they can't afford to – you know, pay players for a season that doesn't happen, whereas, you know, Brian Cashman and the Yankees have pretty much infinity money. So I think that's going to be something to watch, and I think it's another reason why not having a salary cap is pretty ridiculous, in my opinion. Yeah, Um, I agree. I think that something these teams are going to be having to deal with is the big pay disparity and the big revenue disparity. That's always going to be a big deal in the MLB. Yeah, and then one of the ideas I actually had for, like, logistically and how to play these games safe is instead of having these, you know, three-game sets and you're traveling every four days, maybe for the in-division games, you play one time at home and away. And if it's a shortened season, you'd probably play, I don't know, six, seven-game series um, instead of having, you know, eight, three- to four-game series against each team in the division. Um, so that way you can just cut out, cut down on travel, which make, would make it a lot safer. And then every other team outside of the division, you would just play once in like an expanded like six, seven game, five, six, seven game series. Um, and this, I don't know, this would just cut down on traveling to like 20, not 28 cities, approximately um, a total of about like 54 times going to new cities and cutting that down to about like 20 to 23, especially in the shortened season where you probably only play like 18 teams. So just something I thought about is just having longer series with less travel um, as something that the MLB should think about if they want to make sure that they're being safe as possible. And I think this gives them a good chance to restart the season without having to play all the games at a neutral site. Cause I think they did say that's kind of out of the picture at this point. Yeah. I think that's a good idea you came up with and then definitely one that, uh, I mean, if the MLB would, would be able to consider it, I think they would – I mean, they probably have people giving them ideas just like this. So I think that would yeah. be really good for the league and it would probably make the season go a little smoother. Yeah, so they're pitching the idea to the players' union within the week. So I think we'll hear hear about it probably by next weekend about, you know, the plans as – there hasn't been there hasn't been much concrete news in America about like anything restarting or anything like that. So I think this could be like our first 
our first dose of like hope that sports really could be back within, you know, a month or two. Yeah. And I mean, we don't want to miss the whole MLB season. Like that'd be quite a, quite a disaster for pro sports in America. So I think that any type of season that they can get going somewhat soon here would be great for just Americans in general. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even, even say this wouldn't be ideal, but even say you only play, only play within your division for, I don't know, 60, 80 games. Uh, I mean, that's a normal division schedule is about 60 in division games. So I don't know, you just cut out the non-divisional games and then just have, I don't know, one team, two teams from each division make the playoffs. And then you can have, you know, some outer division play for the playoffs. I, th- I did see that as kind of an option that was presented on ESPN. That obviously wouldn't be ideal to play the same team uh, over and over again. But, you know, in the end of the day, it's like, it's anyone, anyone would prefer that over no season at all. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so I think uh, that's a pretty good uh, update on what's going on in the MLB. Uh, is there anything else you want to add at the end of that? Or um, I think it? that's pretty much it. Uh, I hope that it gets past uh, missing baseball. So I'm pretty excited to hear about some news. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's one last thing that I wanted to touch on in terms of uh, NFL and football going on. Um, with the schedule coming out, and week one games getting uh, fixed in. Uh, they came out with a lot of week one lines, and I think there's definitely some opportunities to be had. It's it's really up to you if you want your your money tied up for that long. But at the end of the day, if, especially if you're playing with a on credit, it's not that big of a deal if you're placing bets on week one NFL right now. So um, if people are into it, I think that my first bet of the season is probably going to be Bucks plus four and a half uh, at New Orleans. And I think if I, if you were to tell me that New Orleans was a point and a half better than the Bucks on a neutral, I would probably be okay with that. But the thing is, I think that uh, a lot of New Orleans home field advantage with all the crowd noise, I think that's really going to take a hit here with this being a week one game. I think, I don't think there's really much of a chance that we're seeing a hundred percent capacity in these NFL games week one. So I think that right there is a little bit of uh, value on the Bucks side. And then I also think, as we touched on just briefly earlier, uh, New Orleans has been struggling a lot these last five or six years in their first couple of games of the season. And a lot of their first games have been at home. So for whatever reason, they have been getting off to those slow starts. Maybe it's just that Sean Payton doesn't quite understand his team yet or whatever. But I think that factor is going to be even more exaggerated this year with limited camp and Obviously, they're a veteran team, but this this trend has been happening the last couple of years as it is. So I think that whole deal with their slow starts is going to be a little exaggerated here. And I could see the Bucks winning this game, but I could also see any sort of close game. They're, the Bucks are going to be covering this four-and-a-half number. So Bucks plus four-and-a-half uh, in New Orleans is going to be my first NFL best bet of the year. Sounds good. Um, I think my favorite bet for week one – is the Bears at the Lions um, at, what were they, plus two and a half. Um, I just think the Bears are going to be a much improved team this year. Um, Yeah, they'll probably have a new quarterback at the helm. I'm assuming Nick Foles is probably going to be starting week one. Um, So that's definitely going to be an improvement over Mitch. 
And uh, I don't know. I just think they improve that defense even more um, this offseason. Akeem Hicks is going to be healthy. Khalil Mack is going to be healthy. Um, they signed Robert Quinn to a big contract. Uh, I just think that defense is going to be back to its 2018 level. Um, and with that improved quarterback play, I just I like the Bears a lot this year in general. Um, so I guess that kind of correlates to me liking them week one uh, at Detroit as plus money. So yeah, that is my uh, best bet. I like that pick as well. I think uh, there's a lot of questions uh, sitting around the Detroit team, whether I, we assume Stafford's going to be back 100%, but whether or not he could get roughed up in that first game, I mean, he's not going to have much prep time. With Khalil Mack coming after him, that'll be an interesting scenario. So I think uh, Bears plus two and a half with Nick Foles at the helm, I think that's a solid bet as well. Yeah, and I may, uh, I may go money line as well for a small sprinkle. Yeah, I think uh, I think most books don't have money lines up yet, but I yeah, think once they do, uh, once they do come up, I think that'd be a good play as well. Yeah. They're actually up on Fanduel. They're plus one hundred eight, so get oh, okay. an extra yeah. little bit of value there taking the money line. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, oh, I, I did that... did want to say one other thing about the NFL yeah, schedule. For quickly. sure. Um, kind of disappointed in the NFL for not putting any Chargers game on Sunday night. Um, this will be the first time in a while that we don't get a Brian Bulaga, Iowa for an entire season. Um, pretty disappointing, to be honest. Hopefully they get a flex game because that's it's one of my favorite Sunday night moments every year. So I'm really, <laughs> really kind of sad that, that we're not probably not going to hear it this that's, year. But. That's a good point. I totally forgot about that. Um, but you, uh, you mentioning one last thing about the schedule had, had me thinking. I remembered uh, – what I was most upset about when I saw the NFL schedule come out. And that was NFL scheduling games on Christmas day. When I first, when I first, when I first saw the NFL scheduled uh, multiple games on Christmas day, I was not a happy camper. And the thing is the the Christmas, Christmas of 2020 is going to be a Friday. It's not even a Sunday for NFL games. And they scheduled, I think I want to say three games on Christmas, which I just think is crazy. And I totally get what the NFL is doing. They're coming for the NBA's uh, stranglehold on Christmas. And to be honest, the NFL is probably going to have much more viewership on Christmas than the NBA is. But just from my perspective, I was upset about it because Christmas, I just associate with NBA. And there's always five NBA games on. You can watch them all day. It's, uh, it, it'll draw your attention a, a little bit away from your family. Exactly what you want. You can get a little action going on Christmas. But now with the NFL up, um, to be honest, I'm going to have to watch NFL just because I typically can't turn away from NFL games. But that just means I'm going to be missing five NBA games on Christmas. Yeah, I, I think usually be walking, watching. I think that the NFL kind of has Thanksgiving and the NBA kind of had Christmas. Um, now NFL is kind of probably going to be coming for Christmas, which honestly I'm fine with. I'm not a huge NBA regular season fan, especially if it's not my team playing. Um, but again, it's, I don't know how I, how I feel about games on holidays in general, especially for the players. Um, but I'm definitely going to be enjoying watching the games on Christmas. So I don't have a huge problem with it, but I definitely can see where like big NBA fans might be a little upset about it for sure. I just wanted to, uh, speak my, speak my thoughts there on that, uh, little rant, but 
that's all I have for uh, for this week. Anything from you, Sandman? I don't think so. So be sure to listen for the soundbite that will be coming up momentarily and tweet us who it is that said said soundbite um, for a follow back from both of us as well as the Twitter account. And also make sure to follow Ja on Twitter to uh, get all of his CSGO picks and uh, get some DGen action going in this time of minimal action. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's us. And at we will Draw see Fives. you guys next week. Yep, give him a follow at Ja Fives. <laughs>